Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Mark Giannato is an award-winning sports columnist for the Commercial Appeal, co-host of the Giannato and Jeffrey Show, which you should be listening to right here every day from 2 to 4 on 929 FM ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter at MGianato. Read him at commercialappeal.com. Mark, did you get a chance to see Victor Wimbanyama last night? I watched the highlights. I, I recorded the game and I didn't watch it. I, had, I had, didn't get a chance to watch the full thing. But I've been, I've been watching uh, Big Vic. You've been preparing for this for a long. I've been time. watching. Him, well, I heard you know, like people have been talking about him as the best prospect in the world for like a year. Like he's been like even even before last year's draft, the talk was. If he's he the, had been, if he had been in that draft, he would have been, been number one yes. as a 16, 17. Like he's been the number one prospect in the world for like a year at least at this point. And so I'd been watching film, whatever I, you know, when I YouTube highlights mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, it did feel like though last night was his, you know, introduction to the the wide world, if you will. First and game in America. If he becomes a great. NBA player, a superstar, mm-hmm. like last night will be a game and same with Scoot Henderson. Like last night I will be him. a last night will be a game. I don't I don't know if it's you know, I don't think it's gonna reach the level of like bird magic in the final four in seventy nine as like a pre but like yeah. it will be a moment you remember, um, I think, in, in as part of their timeline. Kind of like Remember when LeBron played the ESPN game? I do. You know, like people remember that now, especially it's like a an no, important moment yeah. because of who LeBron became um, and living up to that hype. And no, I mean he's, I mean you just it, someone pointed it out last night, and I thought it was interesting that Corey Alexander was calling the game um, because he's a Virginia, Virginia guy, and like the comparison, he's he looks like Ralph Sampson out there, Wembenyana. So he might be better, off here, might Ralph be more athletic. Four. Yeah, it might be more athletic than Samson, but that was Samson. He was dribbling. He would shoot threes. I mean, people forget about him because his NBA career didn't take off because of injuries, and that's honestly always the fear with tall guys this tall is mm-hmm. that, you know, foot, knee, whatever. It was a different time then, you know, suffering a torn ACL in 1985 is a lot different than suffering that's a torn amazing. ACL today. But, um, I mean, Samson was it, like college-level, college-age Ralph Samson. That's what kind of – when Bignana looks like and maybe, maybe more athletic, like he's more a little more explosive. Yes. But that's the that's the style. I mean, I mean, and and the fact that he knew this was a big moment, his first game in America, he's going against um number the, pick, the right? number two pick, the number two prospect, and he just showed up and had like a monster game. Like that says something too about the about the guy. That, you, in terms of who he could be. 
If you were the, the Grizzlies, who do you least want to see him with, west and east? Obviously, you'd rather have him in the east. Well, it's, it's interesting because, to me, if you look at the NBA, the, the teams that are, in my mind, are going to have the greatest odds of nabbing him are Utah, San Antonio, and Indiana. We didn't put San Ann in there. And they should and they be scare about me. San Antonio. It scares me. That's a problem. He, he seems like like it seems like another Tim Duncan scenario where yeah. they they kind of they flush one season down the drain during a transition, and then end up with like this you know a guy who ends up being you know potentially the best big man in the league for mm-hmm. a while like they did whoever did that the Tim Duncan people forget it was like David Robinson got hurt and so San Antonio Allowed just tanked to, a season yep. got the number one pick. Remember, Boston was trying to tank that season right. too with yeah. Patino running the team, but the but the Spurs won the lottery and they get Tim Duncan. And the very next year, I think they won the NBA championship mm-hmm. with Robin, an aging Robinson and a rookie Tim Duncan. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I think San Antonio would be the one that would scare me the most, just because they're in the division. They're you know they, they they have a good infrastructure historically. I know. I don't know if Popovich will coach yeah, Victor Wembanyama. Certainly not in his prime. But um, regardless, I think that's because, like, if you look at the landscape of the NBA, those look like they're going to be the worst teams in the NBA this year potentially: mm-hmm. the Jazz, the Spurs, and the Pacers. That's what I think, at least. Will uh, Will Houston be down there? I think Houston's a little too good, like especially at the end of last year. Like, you like I don't their think pieces better than I do. I, mean. I don't think I don't think Houston. Is going to necessarily be a play-in team. Maybe they will, but I, I doubt mm, that. But I no. don't think they're going to be the worst team in the West. Okay. I think they'll be better than that. G- same, same with Detroit. Same with Detroit. Uh, GM survey was out yesterday. You've got a column up at commercialappeal.com. Everybody should mm-hmm. go read. Um, outrage? You can't be not outrage. No, I th- we we said on our show it's, it was perfect. They mentioned exactly. the Grizzlies just enough. To pr- to show that like they do view the Grizzlies differently today than they did a year like in last year's GM survey. Clearly, they view them higher, but there was just enough disrespect that like you know like not having not having John Moran as even getting a vote for best point guard. Um, that was good That's stuff. The one. That was perfect. That was the one that didn't make sense to me. I you know like I would put him ahead of Trey Young right now. Yeah, I said that yesterday. Um, but and Trey Young got a vote. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's that. There's the fact that, you know, frankly, here, here the bottom line, and I, this is how I bottom-lined it in my column, they don't, the GMs, much like the general public, don't think the Grizzlies are going to be as good this year as they were last year. That's it's, a, re- it's a tougher West. That's really what it comes down to. Because, you know, when you look at it, I, I they don't tell you exactly how, they every GM responded to the survey, but they don't know, they don't necessarily respond to every question. So you don't know how many GMs voted on each category. But I thought it was telling... Only, um, only three percent of the GMs who responded had the Grizzlies being the two seed in the West, so mashing what they did last year, and only six percent had them ranked in their top four in the West. Like, so like basically, twenty-seven of the thirty GMs in the league basically think the Grizzlies are going to finish outside the top four in the West, and you know. I'm not right. saying how that's, much of that is step back and how much of it is stronger. West. Listen, they, the four teams they picked ahead of them. I don't think you can necessarily say the GMs are idiots Mm-mm. because they have Denver ahead of them. And I mean, like again, 
That's Memphis the finished ahead of Denver, but like when they had their full team, they went to the Western Conference Finals, and they have the reigning MVP. So I don't necessarily think that's outlandish to say that. Golden State's obviously ahead of them. They were, they're the defending champs. Clippers were the number one seed. Like they got the most votes, it appears. I, I would, you know, I, I'll I'll believe it when I see that. And then, um, and then Phoenix, who had the best record in the league last year and returns everyone. I know it's a little more dysfunctional, it feels like, over there Looks than last like. year. But they still return basically everyone from the team that had the best record in the West last year. So it's not total. You know, p- picking them fifth seems, you know, probably on the surface, you know, reasonable. That's what I thought. You know, um, but I, I just – I also – I'm not saying it's unreasonable to do that. I'm also just saying that's the bottom line. They don't think the Grizzlies are going to be as good as last year. Yeah. And and my argument, if you're going to argue they can be, like I go back to the fact that they played 11 games last year with their ideal starting lineup. Mm-hmm. 13% of the schedule Nothing. was played with the ideal starting lineup. And they're going to start now without maybe the, this year. Now maybe they'll never get to it, but this year they're starting out without the ideal starting lineup too. So we don't know. In terms of with this group collectively, but my gut tells me they're going to play that those that starting five of Ja, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, um, Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Adams. My gut tells me they're going to play more than eleven games together this year. Yeah, you know, and and maybe they can be better that way. Maybe that you know, I think that can offset what you lost in Kyle and D'Anthony Melton, um, and whatever you may may or may not get from those rookies, especially early on. Um, So. I think I think it's setting up nicely for the Grizzlies in that they're getting some respect, but also there's enough doubt mm-hmm. that these guys are not going to be th- – these guys are going to have that same sort of attitude they had last year. Yeah. It's, it's going to be easy to conjure up. And I think the way they play – you know, I don't know – you know, the playoffs are a different story, but for the regular season, the way they carry themselves, the way this team plays, how deep it is at times – like they kind of are made for the regular season, for regular season success, because they bring it every game. Like that to me is one of the among the advantages they have over the rest of the NBA. Like having someone like Jot point guard is an advantage over the rest of the NBA. Having a versatile defender like Jaron Jackson Jr. is an advantage over the rest of the NBA. Um, they have a feels like to me until they prove it a deficiency in shooting even though even with Desmond Bain even with a great shooter like Desmond Bain mm-hmm. but one of the key things that helps offset that is their like given s factor like they just play really hard yeah. um and i like the fact that there's plenty of motivation for them to continue carrying them carrying themselves that way they can they can convince themselves that people are not giving them the proper respect and that's you know i i kind of i think it's a good thing yeah uh, I like this question, and I've heard it posed before, but who do you like better playing with that second unit? Obviously, they're both starters, Bain, Dylan Brooks. But in terms of when you've got the second unit out there mm. and whether it's allowing Dylan Brooks to take all his shots with that second unit, right, more so so he can fall in line when John – or giving it over to Desmond Bain and, hey, he can be more than just a shooter. He can be you know, maybe a little bit of playmaker there too with Tyus. Which one's the, the better approach there? Yeah, it's interesting. With DeAnthony gone, you know, you you know, Conchar, I know, will do some of that, but you figure well, one no, of those two is going to play a lot. Year they would and they were stagger. Doing it. Right. I mean, I think why Bain's been doing it in the preseason is because Dylan was out last year. Bain was doing it last year during mm-hmm. the regular season, where he was the, you know, he would come out with you know six minutes into the first quarter, first one, and out. would be the first starter to cycle back, back in, in the game right. with the with the reserves. So now you got options. Um, 
I mean, I think you can probably play them together, especially because of the way Bain can handle the ball. Um, but yeah, I, you know, like I mean, the reality is, I think it's going to be matchup dependent. Where if you're playing a game where you really need Dylan's defense on the wing, maybe he's out there more. But I mean, until Dylan proves he's the more efficient shooter, I like if I'm Taylor Jenkins, I'm trying to prioritize more shots for my best shooter. Like, mm-hmm. and if 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 that involves Bain being in there, because it, what it looks like they're going to do is take out Bain and Aldama first or Bain and Steven Adams first and then cycle that that, that group back in because we know Bain and Adams work really well together as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I think they'll be fine no matter what way it is. I mean, the key for Dylan this whole year is like the, that's the other thing about playing with that ideal starting five is we haven't really seen Dylan Brooks playing with that ideal starting five where he's going to have to defer more. Like last year, I think one of the issues I one of the things I've noticed about Dylan, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, it seems like when Ja is out there, like he is fully aware that Ja is the man and he defers to Ja. I think when Ja isn't out there, mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily do that with well, Desmond uh, Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. Ja, yeah. And so at, that's what I think. And last year, they just didn't play together very much, right. Dylan Brooks and John ja Morant. Whereas the and then the year before that, they played a lot together, but not with Jaron out there, mm-hmm. and frankly, not like the fully formed version of Bane that we saw last year. Mm-hmm. So, how he embraces the fact that you know, frankly, I think he should probably take the fourth. Number he should be number four in the shot, you know, it's number of shots pecking order. But I don't think he thinks like that. Right. And like where he settles himself into, like maybe like I think I'm okay with him taking more shots than Jaron, especially if Jaron shoots the percentage he did from three point range last year. But, you know, that's gonna be a tricky thing for them to figure out, particularly if, you know, if Dylan is Thinking certain way, I mean, he is in a contract year. Like that whole I thing, going a contract year on Dylan. That so. whole thing is very is going to be very tricky, and so you know, you they, they need to get some reps in, you know, mm-hmm. playing that way. And I think that's part of the problem. They just have had so few games where all four of them have played together um, at this point. What what's your faith level in that Santi's going to be able to hold it down till Jaron gets back, or that that they'd have to turn to one of the rookies that Santi couldn't? What, which way you think it ends up going? I, I don't think there's anyone who's going to hold it down for Jaron. I, I think they're going to have some real defensive issues. The first, I, I just hope it's only like ten or fifteen games. If it if it's we're stretching into twenty games, he's missing like that's going to be a real issue. If like he's missing a quarter or more of the season, Jaron Jackson Jr. Like I, I, but you don't you don't get that sense. Right? No, I mean, the, everything they've told us so exactly. far is that it's going to be, you know, like I would guess, I, I'm hoping he's back in November at some point mm-hmm. because, like, Santi looks much more comfortable, looks good. I, I just, I think when they play real teams, they're going to have a lot of trouble defending. Like, I think, Jeffrey's made this point, and I think he's absolutely right. I think this, it's going to be a net positive for Jaron Jackson Jr. personally because I think the fans are going to appreciate him a lot more after we see 10 or 15 games without him. Oh, 
in the lineup. Like I think I just I you come from the just start Brandon Clark school, don't you? Yes. Oh yeah. That, that's would, where some of this answers. I, I remember now. I would just some I of would, this answers. I would. From. I I will say this. Brandon Clark has attempted a few threes in the preseason, and it looks as bad as it's ever looked. It has looked. not looked good. Um, and so I, I'm fine with starting Santi. He looks much better. Um, You're right. Defensively and he is where the, the problem floor, is. But I just but think – I don't think – I think no matter what they do, they're going to have some issues defensively without Jaron Jackson Jr. He covers up a lot of stuff. Oh, for sure. And saying hold it down, I wasn't certainly saying yeah. there ain't going to be a step like back. I, I, There's going to be think, a couple steps back. I think back. the goal – You're you know, just trying to get through The schedule is not that difficult. Right. The first couple the first month of the season. You know, I as long as you know, as long as he's only missing like ten or fifteen games or whatever, like it's fine. Mm-hmm. It, they'll they'll figure it out enough. They'll you know, if they're eight and seven when he comes back, that's fine. If they're seven and eight when he comes back, that's fine. Like they can there's a lot of season left. It's just you just don't want it stretching twenty, twenty five games. You know, like yep. and you know they you. they're saying the right things, but until he actually you know, we've seen with them with injuries, like it you know, it can take a while. Yeah. Um, talking to Mark Giannato here on Jason and John, turning to Tigers football. Big opportunity for him on Friday. It feels like we've been talking about this one for weeks, saying yeah. if he could just be 4-1, and one, uh, how much of a chance do you give them? They're favored in this one, three-point favorites, I think, last I looked. What, what are you looking for? What are you most curious about uh, watching unfold here? Well, I think they're going to need to score some – I think the offense is going to have to be better than well, it's been the past couple look good. weeks. That Houston defense. It doesn't, but I think Houston's going to score. I, I don't think – I think the Memphis defense looks pretty good – I don't know if they're going to shut this Houston team down like they did North Texas, like they did Temple. Um, uh, Temple offense is one of the worst in yes. the country. Um, I, you know, it's an interesting game because it, you know, Houston. It could be the type of game where you know what? Let's just be honest. Houston is two and three with a couple really close losses, and they were supposed to be better. And you know, there's some fear in my mind of like. What if this is the game where they figure it out and play mm-hmm. like the team they were supposed to play? Yeah, my partner mentioned. Um, now, the other part of that, the other side is they also could be on like quitting on Dana Holgerson. Exactly. Watch. Like that's also a possibility here where they just lay an absolute stinker, and you know, like because we've you know Holgerson has called them out in the media. He's you know gotten booed by the fans yeah. leaving the field last week. Um, so there's that uh, part of it. But no, I think they. I, you know, I while I'm concerned about the offense, like obviously they're 72nd in the country in total offense right now. Um, I'm also not shutting the door on the formula they've used, where they turn teams over. They're not turning the ball over. They're second in the country in turnover margin, mm-hmm. um, and they're playing much better. You know, they're playing good defense, and they kind of. I'm not closing the door on that being an effective. You know, strategy the rest of the season, given the week schedule and given the just the overall strength of the league this year. Like, I think that might that might work. I don't know if it'll. You know, I don't know if you're going to go undefeated or whatever, eleven and one doing that. But I, I also am not shutting the door on you can go eight and four, nine and three doing that. Right. And we said before the season, like that would be a great season. Um, but I also think you know you hope the offense looks better. I mean, they have. I don't think enough is being said. Like, they literally have not looked the same since those two offensive linemen got hurt. Yeah, it's been the lines, the biggest issue, no? Um, I mean, I think the receivers are a problem, too. I not think, getting open? Yeah. They're not getting open, and they're not winning battles on the outside the last couple weeks. Like, that's just the truth. The tight end is pretty good. Pretty scoring is a good one. But he's not good enough to, like, beat a scheme. And, like, teams are now like, okay, we got to pay attention to this tight end. 
and they're like, okay, Joe Skates runs a great go route. We got to make sure we're aware of that. And and once they took those two things out, it felt like the explosion of the offense just went away. Mm-hmm. I mean, Javon Ivory has had a bunch of drops and, you know, I think struggles to get open. I mean, I don't think he's the quickest guy uh, as a route runner. And that's can be okay if you're going to win battles on the outside, you know, like use your body and win battles. But he's not, he didn't do that last week either. Um, and, you know, Eddie Lewis and Gabe Rogers, they're not, they're not able to – they haven't separated enough. Like Seth Hennigan was under siege at times, but he also had some plays where he was mm-hmm. in the pocket yeah. at time and just no one was open. Um, so, but, it, you know, at the same time, they, they won the games and – they're play. They're four and one. And again, I think the formula, like, as if the offense just gets a little bit better, you know, like I, I don't think this is clearly not going to be one of like a great offense. But I also don't think it has to be the seventy second ranked offense right. in the country. Like this offense should be in like the top be fifty in total mm-hmm. offense. Um, and I think that with a quarterback like Seth Hennigan, I think they can be, uh, and probably will be. Um, so it, it's really interesting, though. I mean, you got. It's it's really we we've talked about this Houston game, but it's the next five games are really what this season is all about. I mean, you got Houston, then at ECU, at Tulane, then both you know, then uh, then you get a open week, and you have UCF, UCF mm-hmm. and then Tulsa on five days rest. Um, so, like, if you go three and two in those five games. You're, I think you're going to go into that North Alabama game at what you'd be seven and three, and I think you'd be in, you'd be like in the mix for the AAC championship game. If you beat, you know, it'd be a scenario where if you can mm-hmm. beat SMU, there's a chance you're in the AAC championship game. If you just go three and two these next five, you go four and one, you'll enter that SMU game. I think in the driver's seat to make. The, I don't know if you'd host the AAC championship game or what, but you like, yeah. I think you'd be in position to be in the AAC championship game. And like three and two is not going to be easy, but it seems doable. Like you know, none of these games. If you're favored against Houston, I, I don't know if you'll be. Fa- you won't be favored at Tulane as of now. Mm-mm. I don't know about the ECU game. That's probably would be like a pick 'em. It'll be maybe ECU favored by a little bit. Um, you're going to be. F- yeah, I think you'll if you, depending on how you do the next three, I think you'll be favored against UCF. Maybe. Or it'll be like again, like a you know one point type deal, and I think it'll be favored against Tulsa at home. Mm-hmm. Like you know, so like all winnable games, all games, you know, you're going to be within the margin, so to speak. And so I don't think three and two seems like that unreasonable to think, and that'd be great. I mean, it'd be great, uh, you know. So it's a really interesting moment for the program. I know like the attendance hasn't been great, and you know people have been leery of the offense but they really have a great opportunity right here in front of them these ne- this next month. Yeah, so my argument's just been just win and then mm-hmm. put yourself in those positions and the fans will come back. That that's the quickest way to getting more of them in there is just winning as opposed to all of a sudden you got to go up put up 40 50 um just pile them up. Is there a quicker way? I mean I, we we know there's not you know, oh, I think yeah. I think ultimately, part of it's the offense. There's a bunch of different reasons why people people can embrace great defense. I think but it's just, just win. Yes. I think I think because they have not done it this way, you know, during this rise, they have not done it this way. People are gonna are are, are rightfully in a okay. Like I need to see this to believe this. But I think if you can go into that UCF game at, I would hope if you go into that UCF game and you're what. 
six and two. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, I would hope you could generate a a really nice crowd for that game. Um, UCF could get beat by SMU though tonight. You yeah. know, oh, that, I don't that think UCF. It. That's the whole thing. Like the league is not good. No, like the league is not good. Um, and Memphis is right in that jumble. Like I watched Cincinnati play Tulsa last week. Cincinnati's like. They're, not They're probably yeah. the best team in the league still, yeah. but they are not like Cincinnati of the last two yeah. years. They right. are not some world beater. They lost a lot. Cincinnati team, like and so, and you don't even have to play them. And so, I you know, I I think it sets up nicely for them if the offense can get a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think it's it, to me, it seems very realistic that you you can go three and two over these next five. And I think you know, I, like I said, you'd go into that North Alabama game. You assume that's a win on Senior Day, and I think it would set up a you know. It wouldn't be easy, but it set up a big game against SMU to close the year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it'll be a better crowd Friday, too. I, I don't think— 30? I, I hope. I hope. I, I'm hoping low. Th- I'm hoping it's more like the opener, which was like 32. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping we can get up to like 30, 31. I know there's high school football and the Grizzlies preseason game, right. but can't you— see, I, I think part of, you know, the, the, the attendance is so many different factors, I think. I think it's— because we had a story up at commercialpeel.com about it this week with comments from Laird Veach and Ryan Silverfield, and I got some responses about it. And, like, people listed a whole bunch of things, and I think all of them are right. Like, I don't think it's any one thing. Like, I think what you said, like, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, timidness of really going all in on a team that isn't playing the way people are used to. I think that's some of it. I think – Conference realignment, like depression, mm-hmm. is some of it too. Like mm-hmm. this realization of man, like Memphis got left behind by the Big Twelve, and we don't know. You know, it feels like you know, it especially feels when like, you're playing teams that are moving on. Feels like, like yep. we, des- we deserved it every bit or more as some of these schools, mm-hmm. and we got passed up again. And what the heck? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I agree with that. I think the schedule, having four straight, you know, starting the year with two road games and then having four straight home games. I, can't you see if you're a season ticket or someone who goes to the games going, all right, I'll go to the season opener yep. and then I'll go to the Houston game, yep. you know, because, it, you know, it's I can't do four straight weeks, you know, and what games am I going to skip? Ah, I'll skip the Arkansas State and the North, North Texas yeah. game mm-hmm. and the Temple game, um, you know, or you go to the Arkansas State. It's I'll skip the North Texas and yeah. Temple games and I'll go to this Houston game. Um, and so I think that's part of it, too. Um, you know, there's, you know, I think the, you know, just habits, the pandemic affected everything. And then I think it's just a national thing. Like attendance is down across Across the the board board. in college football by and large. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of different things, but I'm hopeful that the crowd Friday will be better. And if they keep winning, I think the crowd for that UCF game could be really nice potentially. They deserve it. Um, now I think part of What's going to affect them this weekend is like Houston hasn't held up its end of the bargain. Like if Houston was four and one in this <laughs> right. going in this game, I think even more people would show up. There'd be a little more. They'd probably Houston would probably be ranked given where they started the year mm-hmm. and their schedule. It would be a little sexier. The like Houston hasn't really held up its end of the bargain here going at all two and three. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it also is a net gain, I think, for Memphis in that it's indicative of the league is up for grabs this year, more so than, certainly more so than any year I've been here in Memphis. The league feels up for grabs. Last thing, who's the single season home run king? Oh, it's Barry Bonds. This is ridiculous, this nonsense. Thank you. 
So uh, is that the, just is that just old baseball writers that have kept that alive? I mean, mostly. Yeah, it's like there's it's the people who are it? keeping are fu- it's the people who are keeping Bonds and I think it's ridiculous that Bonds and some of these guys aren't in the Hall of Fame. Like it's just ridiculous. It was part of the era of that baseball. Baseball profited off of. That's the, what I keep the, saying. The argument, I, like, are we just gonna not, you know? So the guys who won Cy Youngs before black baseball players were allowed to play, like, do those not count anymore? Because mm-hmm. like, you know, it was they had an un, they had an advantage there. They weren't playing, you know, half of the <laughs> half of the baseball playing population. Um, I figure if there's enough of those of us common sense folks, we can. Get this done it's just, and get it recognized. It's obviously Barry Bond. Like it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Everyone was doing steroids in. And like, here's the other part: is like, are we like so sure? Like, I'm not. I'm not trying to accuse Aaron Judge of doing steroids, but like, are you really like? Th- are you really at a point in your life that like you're just? I can say with certainty, Aaron Judge is doing everything by the book. I, I don't know this assumption that he's pure. You know, is. I'm sure now, maybe he, he is, is six seven, six eight, two hundred and seventy something pounds too. He had a yeah. great year, and we're at what sixty two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's. I think if honestly, I think I think if he wasn't on the, I'd day, like to if he was on it. another team other than the Yankees, and so you're dealing with like the New York I media think on it. I, I think if he played for like the Kansas City Royals, no one would be there. This debate would be not even being had. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.